You're listening to Preston's Poetry Podcast. Just the other day, I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone. She said, you know, when poems rhyme, I feel like it's easy. I can get that it's going somewhere and where it's going. But if there's not a rhyme, I don't really understand where I'm headed and it makes me feel lost and stupid. And I feel like many people, too many people, feel that same way. That poetry must just be above my head. Well, that's why I'm here. It's not above your head any more than appreciating a nice diamond ring is above your head. As long as you're alive and read or listen in a language, then poetry is accessible. Now, there might be a trade-off, though. It might take some time and effort. But, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, this effort is generally worth it and probably doesn't take as much or as long as you'd expect. We talked about one free verse poem by Walt Whitman, but what do you do if you come across a poem that doesn't rhyme? What should you expect? First off, it might take some shift in thinking. As a reader, if you're going to understand it, you might have to do your part. But that's why I'm here to help you out. It might take a shift in the way you approach it, too. Trying to solve the poem or find out what it's really trying to say won't help you. And it's also not fair to the poet for us to be so suspicious of them from the beginning. Aside from us, though, there's also a duty of the poet to craft their poems well. If I was writing a poem that makes an unexpected turn, but don't mark this with any comma or dash or space to mark that shift, I'd be neglecting you as a reader. If I want you to see things in a different way, I have to think about you and your needs as a reader. Now, in this podcast so far, I've been talking about very famous poems poems that have managed to last the test of time by poets who are acknowledged by other poets as prime examples. So you can generally expect that the poems I'm describing here are not guilty of neglecting you as a reader. Some, even most of the poems written on this planet, though, have flaws, especially if they're written by an amateur or beginning poet, and that can disrupt your ability to approach them and enjoy them. But for this podcast, I'm putting poems that aren't flawed, so you don't have to guess that the poem is just bad, which leaves you and I as the readers. I've talked a lot about benefits of reading poetry. Some of these include learning to see things in a new and interesting way. Perhaps it helps make connections between things that we didn't make before. There's also a very real way in which poetry can just be pretty to our ears. Poems occur across all cultures throughout human history, so it's kind of our thing. So There are some deeply human things about writing and reading or even hearing poetry. It's our own voice as humans, coming not only from our minds, but from our hearts, our very souls. They contain our emotions in a way that saying, sad, mad, bad, just doesn't cut it. They contain our excitement toward life through images of trains or thoughtfulness in a poem about being a nobody. They contain the things we love in images like a red wheelbarrow or 
our spouses in everyday glory covering the lettuce and talking about things being good for your back. Since the late 1800s after Walt Whitman, poets have generally only used rhyme and form to the degree that it helps get the point across. But that isn't always the case. One of the ways that poets think about that deeply human voice is by writing in the way that we talk, which is hardly ever with five-beat lines that have an A-B-A-B rhyme scheme and so on and so forth. This is called free verse poetry. And free verse poetry is essentially poetry without any consistent rhyme or form. Free verse enables poets to write the way we think and talk, all the while making those rich poet connections. Today's example is from Stephen Crane, author of The Red Badge of Courage. Today's poem is called In the Desert. It's a short, odd, even gross narrative poem that takes us on a few wild turns but that can teach us a lot about how to look at ourselves. Here, have a listen. In the Desert by Stephen Crane In the desert I saw a creature, naked, bestial, who, squatting upon the ground, held his heart in his hands and ate of it. I said, Is it good? friend? It is bitter. Bitter, he answered. But I like it because it is bitter and because it is my heart. The poem tells this odd story of someone who sees a naked, animal-like man. At least we assume it's a man because it actually says creature in the desert, holding a heart. Then, the first turn, the man eats the heart. Those are some pretty crazy visuals. As an aside, though, this is a very cool example of a novelist then turning to put his thoughts into poetry. This is a classic story hook. A guy eats a heart. How odd. Why is he eating that heart? Gross. The whole image is shocking. Now, there's not any secret meaning here, nothing to not get. This is just the odd, visually striking setup that Crane makes. Anyway, back to the poem. Then the speaker asks the man if it's good. Now, at first, we might be tempted to read it as, does it taste good? The line ends with a question mark and end quotes. We should probably then pause a second. He does not ask if it tastes good. He asks if it is good. Is that heart a good heart? To which he answers, It is bitter. Long pause for the dash. Bitter. Again, we might assume that he's saying it tastes bitter. But to have a bitter heart or to be bitter also means something on its own. Bitter about what? What happened to this heart? Then the man says he likes it because it is bitter. I think this is a very good line for learning about poetry. Not all poetry is about pleasing topics. Sometimes we get nasty images. Sometimes poetry is ugly, rude, 
triumphant, obstinate, annoying, playful. And that itself is striking. It communicates something, contains some facts or images full of human experience and emotion. Anyone alive knows that not all things in life are pleasant for us as people. So if we have this this cry from deep within, not from our brains, but from our very humanity, shouldn't some of those cries be ugly? That's also deeply human, right? And maybe we can like that because we like being alive, human. Because the poem comes from the heart. The kind of heart that this man likes. Not despite its bitterness, but because of its bitterness. And then he adds the big turn we were all kind of expecting. He likes it because it is his heart. And we could just think, Ew, a guy eats his own bitter heart. What a disgusting person. But what about your heart? Think about that. Has something made you bitter ever? Has something hurt you? What person in this world doesn't carry around a slightly rotten, scarred heart? Now this man, down to his bare body, humanity at its most basic, likes it because it is his. Do I like my own bitterness? With just a little bit of time and attention to this weird story, we can reap this whole reflection about how we deal with our own traumas. On the one hand, the bad things that happen to us might make us feel small, naked, and bitter. But on the other, these bad things allow us to become who we are. They make up our personalities, make us interesting. Our own traumas are the hooks in our own stories from which We carry on. And notice, too, that in the poem, there's someone who's there to carry on a conversation with him. He's an interesting creature that the speaker actually engages with. Those scars we bear, they can make us bitter, afraid, and small. But they can also be seen as the very nourishment and food for who we are. The things that make us interesting and that give us character. Have another listen. This is In the Desert by Stephen Crane. In the desert, I saw a creature, naked, bestial, who, squatting upon the ground, held his heart in his hands and ate of it. I said, Is it good, friend? It is Bitter. Bitter, he answered. But I like it because it is bitter and because it is my heart. With free verse poems like this, normally the goal is not to get it stuck in your head like rhyming ones will. Instead, here the game is about talking right to you, the reader giving you rich images or commentary, pregnant with stuff to reflect on. It's not about singing to your ears. 
It's about reaching right out and plucking your heartstrings. The imagery itself is enough to grab your attention, so why rhyme? Now, if this inspires you, you can try it yourself. Talk about the taste of something you have experienced. Using some pretty striking images, like a man eating his own heart, is also a way to engage with the reader and to give them something to think about. Some other poems like this include The Two-Headed Calf by Laura Gilpin. You should check it out. And when it comes to reading these poems, if you feel stupid or intimidated, just remember, these people are not writing these poems to put you down. Poets are not your high school teachers giving you grades. Even if you're reading these poems for a class, the poem itself is a bunch of words, creatively organized by someone, sure, but they are words on a page. Words don't have thumbs or minds, so they can't scratch a grade beside your name. Every single poet, every single one of them, isn't trying to scar or belittle you. No, poets write to try to offer us something to feast on in the bitter or excited depths of our common heart and soul. Hey y'all, Preston here. Thanks for tuning in. My favorite lines of today's poem were, but I like it because it is bitter. Tell me yours or ask me stuff on Preston's Poetry Podcast Instagram or Facebook page or via the website Preston's Poetry Podcast.com. We'll see y'all.